Hello and welcome to the Reorg Europe podcast. My name is Sean Qureshi and I am a legal analyst in the Reorg's London office. Today, I'm very fortunate to be joined by two industry experts, Rebecca Jarvis and Damien Gomez. Both Rebecca and Damien are partners in the restructuring and insolvency department of Linklaters. Welcome both and thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much. Thank Great. So uh, on today's podcast, we'll be taking a closer look at the Part 26A restructuring plan of Smile Telecom. Now, Smile Telecom appeared before the English Court, English High Court in early January, where it successfully passed the convening stage of its Part 26A. So, Rebecca, could you kick us off by telling us what happened in Smile Telecoms and why are we talking about it? Thanks, Sean. So I think just to start, we'll do a very quick pertinent fact recap. And um, this is Smile Telecom. It's a Mauritian incorporated company. It's got English law debt and it's Comey was in the UK. The thing worth noting about Smile is uh, in a market where there have been very few restructuring plans, it's done too. So the first one appears to have been just a sticking plaster facilitated some super senior debt being injected so that there was an appropriate runway to um, an expedited sale process, which appears not to have been successful. It's the second one that's really the focus of this podcast. um, And that's frankly the much more interesting one. That seems to have been a full-on restructuring. There was a compromise and release of out of the money shareholders and creditors. um, And the super senior creditors who injected money in the first one put some more new money in and uh, took all the equity and became the sole shareholder. So that's a very, very quick 30 second recap. Um, Now, why is the market so excited about this particular restructuring plan? Um, Well, of course, everyone I'm sure has been slightly excited by the introduction of the cross-class cram down uh, in RPs. That really hasn't been the focus of Smile. Instead, there's been a focus on a slightly more interesting uh, section of the New Companies Act. Um, Now, to to understand why this is relevant, let's look at the default position. So 901C3 of the Companies Act uh, really sets out that default position. Um, And what that provides for is if there is a creditor or shareholder whose rights are affected, then typically they get the opportunity to participate in the convening hearing and to vote in their relevant class. And only then if some of the classes vote against, you you, um, default to the cross-class cram down cross-class cram-down and see if that actually is appropriate. Here, because of the use of 901C4, we completely circumvented that particular provision. And instead, um, what you can do is exclude out of the money creditors and shareholders completely from the voting process. Um, So that's obviously quite, quite interesting because this is the first time this has been done. And to utilise that particular provision, um, you need to satisfy the court that the relevant class no longer has any genuine economic interest in the company. So so rather than saying, you know, they're they're affected and they can vote, um, instead, you just don't let them into the voting colleges at all. Um, And to enable you to take advantage of that, then obviously, Frankly, it's important in all restructurings, you need to make sure you've got super good valuation evidence. 
Okay, thanks, uh, Rebecca. That's very useful background. So I think my first question is, um, Damien, perhaps you could take this one. Why exclude a class of members or creditors from voting when you could just affect cross-class scram down? So, so I think, Sean, that, that, that the principal effect of all of this is, is, is so what you end up doing is that you flush out any potential valuation disputes at the very start of the process, because in order to go down this route, what you need to do, as was done in SMILE, is to provide copies of the valuation work and the estimated outcome statement to all those creditors who you plan on exclude from voting. And you effectively invite them to prove at the convening hearing that the conclusions you have reached as to where value breaks are wrong. Um, and the question is essentially asking them to, to paraphrase Jerry Maguire, show me you're in the money. And assuming they don't turn up or they can't, then from, 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 from a practical perspective, I think that's, that's got a couple of consequences. It obviously means that you have fewer class meetings, which might have a positive cost implication, but it also potentially means that you've got a shorter lead time between the convening hearing and, and, and the class meetings if those who are voting are fully aware of the terms of the restructuring plan and always have been just need to give them less notice. But I think, I think the biggest significance, I think, Smile Telecoms is, 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 is a message that senior creditors might take away from the plan. Yeah, exactly. So Rebecca, perhaps you could uh, tell us you know, what sort of lessons would senior creditors take from, from what we've seen at uh, Smile Telecoms convening hearing? Well, I could give you a very glib answer, but my leveraged finance colleagues would probably kill me, which is it's the death of the intercreditor. But um, obviously that isn't the answer. It's much more nuanced than that. Um, so I, I think what happens is senior creditors have got another tool in their armory. So what will they do? They'll, they'll compare using, uh, which is what we typically do in many restructurings, the intercreditor provisions where you can release, well, you can enforce security in the first place and release it. You can use the disposal provisions uh, to, to, to enable you to affect whatever deal you're doing, perhaps to a new SPV or a third party, and you can release or transfer junior debt to get it out of the structure. Now, um, some of the structuring issues we've seen with intercreditors um, have, have meant that that has become slightly less attractive, particularly where you've got ancillary facilities like bonding lines and guarantee lines, and that can then lead to challenges uh, and, and other issues which drag out the process. Um, so you, you compare using the tried and trusted method of intercreditor enforcement against the restructuring plan, which on the face of it appears much more certain, and it arguably front ends any litigation risk or challenge. And I imagine the deciding factor for most people, senior creditors, even the companies themselves, is likely to be what are the pertinent facts in this particular case? What's the valuation? Where does value break? And also the relative cost. But frankly, what, what we should all in the restructuring industry and particularly the um, senior creditors um, should take from this is that what we have is a different, potentially more effective implementation tool in certain circumstances. Thanks, Rebecca. Um, so those are the, the, the sort of positive take homes. I mean, Damien, are there any big caveats that you flag uh, for creditors or sort of debtors when they're considering whether or not to go down the 901C4 route? So 
I think, as Rebecca said, in any distress situation, the suitability of any implementation route always, always depends on the facts and circumstances of the case at the time. You know, so for instance, how much time do you have? How much money do you have? Who are your creditors? Can you identify them? How confident are you in the valuation analysis? And, and on that final point, on the robustness of valuation, what is clear from Smile Telecoms and in fact the, the underlying legislation is that the court will not exclude a class from the voting process if there is any scope, any scope for debate on whether they're in the money or not. And this is primarily a fairness issue. But it's also a practical one because, you know, we, 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 as we said at the top of this podcast, there is always the option of allowing them to vote and going down the cross-class cramdown route if necessary. Um, I think it's worth noting that in SMILE, even with the robust valuation evidence and the fact that, that, that this was not a marginal case, the super senior creditors agreed to make a series of extra share payments. Um, so that included a sort of $10 million payment to the seniors, I think, and, and an ability to share in the proceeds of future asset realizations, which is, of course, within their gift. Um, the second point I would make is that even if a claim is excluded from voting, what's not clear is that they are prohibited altogether from appearing at the sanction hearing and raising any concerns. Um, and in practice, you know, I would think particularly they turned up at convening. And their and, and and their valuation evidence wasn't wasn't accepted. In most cases, it is, it is unlikely that their views would be given significant weight. But it's not clear that exclusion from voting always equals exclusion from the entire process altogether. Um, and the third point I would make is a practical one around time and cost. So I mentioned sort of time and cost savings um, earlier on, but I think that has to be balanced against the time that you would need to give the creditors who are, you are planning to exclude to consider the valuation evidence prior to the convening hearing. Um, and a practical point is that in order to give them that information, the members of that class must be A, clearly identifiable, and B, easily contactable. Put simply, if you don't know who they are and you can't reach them, then they won't be given the opportunity to fight their corner and the court may not agree to exclude them from voting. Thanks, Damien. Those are some really good, uh, some really commercial points there. So I guess my last uh, question for, for Rebecca is, um, is there anything else that we expect to uh, see coming out of the Smile Telecoms that it's worth keeping on our radar? Yeah, so, so, so from our perspective, we're, I think, quite interested in uh, whether or not you can actually use a restructuring plan to vary the rights of shareholders in a company which isn't actually UK incorporated. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see uh, if there's any guidance or uh, or any anything in the judgment when it's eventually issued um, that um, that that sort of deals with that particular point, I'm told the judgment's going to be extremely lengthy, so we look forward to reading it. Um, and I guess this this narrow point may well be the subject of another podcast. And we'd love to have you back on. So uh, thanks, uh, uh, Damon. Uh, thanks, Rebecca. Some very insightful points raised here indeed. And thank you to all of our listeners for joining us today on uh, the Reorg podcast. As Rebecca said, we look forward to seeing the outcome of uh, Smile Telecom's sanction hearing, which is expected in the coming weeks. If any of our listeners have any questions they'd like to ask, please do reach out to us at questions at and we will get back to you. Thank you for listening.